With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Inside the Athletic Mind with your hosts, Taylor Cook, Lauren Williams, and Margaret Jennings. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Athletic Mind, where we dig deep and shed light on the mental side of sports for female athletes and coaches by having open conversations about mental health, mindset, and performance. You'll notice that in this week's conversation, I am not around as I was down and out with COVID last week. Um, So I was unable to make this amazing conversation between my co-hosts and our special guest this week, who is Alexis Miller. Alexis works with the PWHPA in in marketing, and this episode is going to be all about how to make the case for women's professional hockey in North America. And as always, if you find this episode of any value, please remember to share on social media or share it with a friend to help the podcast grow and to support women in sport. So today we are super excited to have Alexis Miller um, and the group with us to have a chat about all things women's hockey. I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of motherhood stuff, transitioning out of sport as well. Um, MJ and Alexis, I know you guys are going to fire off about that, but super excited to have Alexis here. She's um, pretty much like the boss behind the PWHPA in my mind. She's always the one who's like, hey, you have a question? Ask Alexis. She's in uh, marketing and, and events consultant for them, but she really is the person that we all go to when we have questions. Um, she's also a mom of two, a former Boston University standout, defenseman, and I was lucky enough to have her as a teammate when we played in the CWHL. Um, so, Alexis, without further ado, so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. And that was quite the introduction. I'm flattered. I think I'm blushing a little bit over here. (laughs) (laughs) This is the goal. This is the goal. You better be blushing. But I love it. No, super, super happy to have you on. And we were just talking about this before we started recording. It's kind of a big time for the PWHPA right now, coming off of a hugely successful weekend in D.C., and you're now heading into another really amazing opportunity this weekend in Pittsburgh. Um, can you give us a little bit of an update on the PWHPA and for people who don't know what it is, maybe just a little bit on the background of that? Yeah, of course. So the PWHPA was originally formed in May of 2019 after uh, the CWHL was officially closed um, and literally a bunch of players, like 200 plus players got together uh, and said that what we have right now or what we did have wasn't enough. And uh, we came together as a unified voice um, to really fight for what we deserve in the sport, for a livable wage, for 
the proper infrastructure, the proper training environments, uh, and everything that we had never been afforded in the game previously. Um, and a couple years later, we continue that fight and we continue to advocate for that. Uh, and it has since turned into the Secret Dream Gap Tour where Secret Deodorant has come on um, to help in a million different ways. And we're, we're really excited about all of the, the various partnerships that we've been able to establish and, and the sponsorship dollars we've been able to bring in um, without actually having a true league. Uh, but the Secret Dream Gap Tour is essentially a barnstorming tour where we're in different cities in Canada, the U.S. Uh, for weekend showcases with our different regional teams, um, competing and just showcasing the incredible game of women's hockey uh, in markets that uh, are predominantly hockey-based or, or might be new to uh, the women's hockey universe. And so we just had one in Ottawa. Uh, and then last weekend in DC, and we have an upcoming rivalry rematch uh, of the US and Canada teams uh, that just competed in Beijing this coming weekend in Pittsburgh. So uh, it is an exciting time to uh, be involved in women's hockey, to say the least. Yeah, not busy at all, right? No, it is, uh, it is not busy whatsoever. I have been on a uh, more flights in the last couple of weeks than I uh, will be on probably in the next year. So it's, uh, it's exciting. Yeah. Well, and speaking of that, right. So you said they have a upcoming rivalry game just around the corner coming on the back of the Olympic showdown, right. Which we all know, like fans of women hockey, that's kind of what everything culminates to is, is that showdown. So like, what's it been like behind the scenes? with that trying to set up you know another Canada versus USA game so quickly yeah um well first of all it, it was a great response from the players first and foremost mm -hmm. and and everything that we do is is player-led player-driven um and from their feedback on wanting to compete we said okay what well, what can we do to to get this running and um, the Pittsburgh Penguins and their staff have been absolutely incredible on uh, getting everything organized on the back end. Um, as we all know, they clearly have the infrastructure for success. Um, they have the people, but they also have the facilities um, and they've been so great to work with to get this up and running. Uh, it has been obviously a quick turnaround. We know that Beijing was not overly long ago, uh, and there really is a lot involved in um, getting these players uh, to the facilities, getting things organized um, from the top down. Uh, and so it's been a, a whirlwind, but uh, it's been exciting, and we're really looking forward to uh, being able to see these players compete um, in North America versus uh, in Beijing at the Olympics. And to add to that, I will say that uh, oftentimes once the Olympics are over, you really don't see women's hockey again um, on a national broadcast or in the forefront of uh, your everyday planning uh, until the next world championship or the next, next big event for Canada versus US. So uh, it's, it's nice for a change to see that um, really right off the tail of the Olympic Games. Yeah. Like an attempt to keep it in the foreground. Right. So to build off of, you know, I think we had talked about it the other week, like how many people tuned in to watch it. Like it was one of the most watched events of the Olympics in North America, which is amazing. Um, and the other question I have, like in terms of the PWHPA, the way we've tackled it is like growing the game on a grander scale, right? Like making women's hockey a globally competitive sport and, and making it popular, you know, worldwide. And we talked about the role of like, having maybe a league in North America, again, if you draw parallels to the NHL, right? Like the best league in the world 
is here in North America. And it's not only Canadians and Americans, but it's the best European players that often come over to play as well. Like in terms of that foresight, is there anything to try to ensure that we're creating space for like people from other countries to come here, to learn the game, to be able to take things back to their countries and grow the sport globally as well? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the, the league that we're fighting for is a league where women get to play a regular schedule, we have the infrastructure, and we get paid to play only hockey. We don't have to play, uh, don't have to work other jobs, we only have to play. And with that comes the opportunity for people to come from anywhere in the world, as long as you're good enough to compete in that league, and you can come here and live here and just play hockey. It, there's space for anyone that's able to compete at that level, right? But until we have that established, it's really hard to encourage people to come to the United States or to come to Canada to play hockey when they have to pick up a second job or they don't have the, enough funds to pick up their families and move all the way here um, and, and things like that. And then the other part of it too is it's not just for players. We would create ample job opportunities for women across the globe to come in and, and work for these teams, to work for a league office, uh, to officiate, to work on the broadcast side, to be analysts. Like there's, when you look at the big picture of the sport and how many things are involved in it beyond just ice level, there are hundreds upon hundreds of opportunities for women uh, across the globe to, to be a part of something bigger. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And one of the things that we always really try to talk about on this podcast is not just the athletes themselves. It's the support staff. It's the athletic trainers. It's the people in the head office. It's the coaches, people doing sports psych work, um, analysts, as you mentioned, right? It's all part of a bigger picture. And I think largely right now what we're seeing is those individuals the people who are closer to the sport and the athletes themselves look at it and say, like, we know there's value in women's sports. We want it to get to a level where all of those things you're talking about is possible, where we can pay players to relocate. We can give them a living wage. Um, we can give them the resources that are necessary to play at an elite level. But then the reality of it is, you know, we're not getting the fans that we need. And I think a lot of that comes down to just maybe is it, do you think it's the, the network that we're in or the cities that we play in? What are you finding is working with the Secret Dream Gap Tour right now? Because those rinks are packed. Like every rink yeah, they go I, to. It's, I mean, it's all about for us right now, the relationship building with the people that already have the infrastructure, right? And, and we're seeing it so well when we're in NHL markets and working with NHL clubs to make these happen. I mean, we look at DC this past weekend, our rink was packed. We had Kelly O'Hara from the Washington spirit come along with her teammates and brought their trophy to the game. Tom Wilson of the Washington capitals showed up to watch the game wearing a PWHPA hoodie. Um, and, and all of these people were so engaged in the game. Um, and we're able to get them in the door because we're working with these clubs or with these organizations that already have infrastructure and assets in place to make it successful, right? We're not building from uh, like base level. We already have pieces that go into it. It's just a matter of working with those pieces and bringing them to life. Um, 
and it's not always easy to do. Obviously, we know that we're, we're really working from uh, ground level to build a true professional women's hockey league. And um, as we already know, that started in May of 2019, and we're still working towards it. But um, I think that that's a, a proof point that all of these uh, places that have the infrastructure built in or, or we know what we need to be successful is exactly what's going to get people in the door. Um, and then on top of that is, is making it visible, having the streaming available, having it on a national broadcast, having it promoted by the right people and getting it out there because if they don't know that it's happening, they can't see it. And then, I mean, we're not going to get people in the door, right? And so we need to make that more available to people beyond just somebody in a 30 mile radius of the rink, right? Yeah. And when you say that, you know, so you say you guys started back in May, 2019, I guess this is a two-part question. What would you say is like the biggest way in which the PWHPA has grown since then, like the, the biggest gain that they've made? And then secondly, and I, maybe it ties into this idea of like the exposure, right? But what do you think is, is the most important next step? For getting to where where we want the game to be yeah i so i guess i'll start with just saying that um working with the clubs and the places that have that infrastructure is is what has made us successful to this point and we're seeing that growth through uh our increased sponsorships the companies big time companies. And we're not talking about mom and pop shops down the street. We're talking about secret deodorants, Budweiser, Adidas, Bauer. Like we're, we're talking about big time companies that are investing in our game right now before it's even something, right? Like right now we're not a league. We're a players association that's advocating for what we feel we deserve and what we need to be successful. And we already have so many wonderful sponsors and so many wonderful supporters who believe in that vision with us. And so that continued growth has obviously progressed us to where we are right now. But at the end of the day, in order to be successful, our players need to be playing hockey for a living. They need to be only playing hockey. They need to be only training for hockey. They need to be focusing on playing the sport, right? Right now we have people that wake up early, go to work, and then don't get to play or practice until after their workday ends. Hockey comes secondary. So until that becomes their first priority, it's never going to be a truly professional women's hockey league. I think that's such a huge piece of the puzzle. I don't think that people truly understand that the majority of the athletes in the WHPA are doing on a daily basis. And I also don't think they understand, and I'll use they as a term for people who maybe aren't familiar with elite sports because they've never played them. They don't understand the mental and physical energy it takes to be an elite athlete. And when you're dividing that mental and physical energy, in between maybe commuting two hours to practice after you've worked for a whole day, after you woke up super early so you could get a lift in. I don't think people understand how much that impacts your ability to put your best product out on the ice, which is, you know, you at your peak performance level. 
And at the end of the day, I think it's about getting people to realize that like NHL hockey players, for example, live the lifestyle that they do because it's necessary. They go to the gym every day. They go to rehab and prehab every single day. There's always something that they're doing, regardless of whether or not they have a game or practice that day, because it is necessary. And we need to start, I know that we're pushing this, but people need to start to understand that it's just not sustainable to be doing what so many of us are currently doing right now, which is completely dividing our mental and physical energy between two things even three things or four things for people that have multiple jobs. Just to, just to make enough money to be able to, to keep playing hockey. Right. Or just, and, mm-hmm. and it's really just getting by and that's all that it is. And it's all that it's ever been. But a lot of this is really to advocate for that, to, to make people aware of what sacrifices go into it. And, um, I, obviously the mental health of our players and our staff is extremely important and it's really hard to uh, balance that or to help them balance that when we're not providing the space for them for that, right? Like we're, we're not allowing them to prioritize that because they can't, there's no time and that's hard. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? Because I feel like there's so many elements that impact it, right? And it's kind of like the, okay, what comes first, like the chicken or the egg? So like, for me, there's like kind of four different quadrants. So one is like the infrastructure or the space, like committed to Mm -hmm. like, we have a rink to practice and play in that is affordable that we have access to, right? Because even that for a lot of women's teams is hard just to find ice reliably. So to have to even keep your gear at the rink and not have to lug it back Exactly. Right. So the infrastructure to support professional women's hockey, then you have the sponsorships, right. And the funding that needs to be in place to support the women's hockey. Then you have like the following, right. So the fan engagement, the interest, like people wanting to come into the buildings. And then you also have, like, you guys are talking about the athlete commitment where they're making the decision. Like I am going to be a professional athlete and this is what I'm doing. Like I'm training, I'm showing up to the rink. That is my job. Right. And kind of in a perfect world, those all need to be at play, but like, which one comes first, right? Like, is there one that needs to happen first in order to make the others possible? What's feasible? What might not be, you know, like it's, I think that's the challenge sometimes is we struggle to navigate. Like we know these things need to be done, but what is the most viable investment of like our time? If this is the big picture we want to get to, you know, how do we funk? Like, how do we practically do that? Well, I mean, the funding, right? Like that you can't do any of it without the investment, without the the people that are coming behind the scenes to um, essentially support it from a monetary standpoint. And they need to be willing to invest in the future of women's hockey. Uh, And maybe that return doesn't happen right away, right? It, It could take... I don't know, five, 10, 20, 40 years for that return to come. But we need, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, okay. people to believe in that from the get-go. We're all getting over colds here, huh? <laughs> Apparently, I don't know where this cough is coming from all of a sudden. <laughs> 
But it is, it's so true. And I think we've been talking about this for so long. Um, and on the heels of, you know, International Women's Day, where the conversation always starts up again, is that women deserve the investment and that the product is worth investing in. And ultimately, women, again, are worth investing in. We're kind of uh, pushing against the idea that, you know, subliminally they're not, right? No one's going to say it loud. Maybe some people in Twitter comments will. Um, but the idea that it is worth investing in and that it's not going to be an automatic return on investment. The NHL wasn't an automatic return on investment. No professional league that's functioning really well right now was automatically, you know, making investors piles of money. It does take time. Well, and a, a lot of people tend to argue like, oh, you don't bring in enough revenue. Like, oh, you don't have enough ticket sales. You don't, but we've never been given the opportunity to try, right? Like we, we've never had the true league or true opportunity to build to that point right like we've never had the investment to pay our players full-time to have health benefits for our players to go on maternity leave that's covered right like there's so many pieces that go into it that we've never had and so for them to say oh you don't make enough or you don't bring enough money in like okay, yes, that's true right now, but we've never been given the opportunity to even try. So we need to start there and then let us prove it, right? We've already proven that people want to watch the game. Look at the Olympics, right? Like we, we know those statistics. We know how, how many people watch the game in the middle of the night, right? Not even on primetime television. In the middle of the night, we had millions of people tuning into women's hockey. We've had, I mean, sold out arenas in the United States, in Canada, for watching Canada versus the U.S. play. We have NHL clubs coming on board, right, for <laughs> the PWHPA. Um, and those are all great, but it's just a starting point. We've proven that people want to watch the game. We've proven that there is a market for women's hockey. Now we need the infrastructure and the investment in order to put that out there to see it grow and expand and really prove that we can eventually turn a profit. Yeah, I think you make a good point, right? Like it does start with funding. It's hard to build without funding. This might be like a really weird analogy, but what comes to mind <laughs> for me a little bit is like shark's tank or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Because really that's, I feel like the position we're in with women's hockey is like, we need to go in and make a pitch, right? That is a viable pitch that the people with money want to invest in it. And they want to see some sort of value proposition in that, right? Because the reality is a lot of people don't want to invest their money until they see that. So for me, it's like, how can we bring attention to those numbers? Like, how can we present that to people? Like people are tuning in when this product is accessible for them. Therefore, if we invest in it, you know, it might take us to newer heights, whatever that might be. But it's just funny because that analogy always comes to mind. And then the other challenge, right? It's kind of like we're creating, and this isn't, again, I'm like a decade older than you guys. So I would say I'm pretty forward thinking, but like, I also have a lot of friends that are maybe like more deeply embedded in like the older way of thought, right? So I'm just saying like what the environment is around me is the challenge is like, we're presenting a product 
that in terms of sport already exists. Like some people are already investing in the NHL. Like what's different about women's hockey if it's still hockey. So I think that's another way where we can up our value or increase our value is differentiating ourselves from that. Like how can we serve the world? And we know it's like showing, you know, having role models for younger women, like empowering women in terms of leadership, not only in sport, but whatever. But I think like being able to leverage that can also play a huge role in growing the importance and the value of our game, right? It's not just like, we're just trying to be like the men who already have a professional league. Like we're trying to serve a different community in a meaningful way. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and to add to that too, is um, our players just have such incredible stories of perseverance of where they came from. Um, and our players are so open to sharing that with the world uh, and are incredible role models, but also have fabulous personalities and they want to show that to the world. And, and that's something that um, on the PWHPA side of things, we've been really trying to do that is to showcase our players and to tell their stories or to give them the platform to tell their stories uh, because there's so much there that people don't even know about. Um, and a lot of it ties to that gender equality struggle, right? Like the majority of our current generation of professional women's hockey players grew up playing with boys because women's hockey and girls hockey didn't exist at that time or didn't exist to the level that it needed to be in order to be the most elite in the sport. And so the game is changing continuously and we're seeing it rapidly grow. Um, from the grassroots level right now which is awesome but at the end of the day until they can dream about playing hockey for a job it is never going to be a reality for them and girls are going to leave the sport sooner than they should or that they would if they had the opportunity to make a living playing the sport that they love yeah, absolutely. I think the prime example of that is how many how many women retire right after college because they're like, well, I need to get a job. And well, where I got a job, there's no team. And that's about it, right? But I think I think we're on our way there and I I know for a fact that the PWHPA is is really blazing a trail that's needed to be um done for quite a while and it's so encouraging to see from the outside now that i'm no longer you know playing with them um to see the progress that's being made but i'm super interested to hear from you and your perspective um what some of the the most encouraging things that you've seen especially in the past couple of events that the pwhpa has held what are some of the things that you're starting to see now that you're saying like, wow, this is amazing. Like we're really starting to get there or maybe just something that's kind of stood out to you over the past couple of weekends. Um, I'd say the, the professionalism of each of these events and um, the fact that our players walk in, they have uh, gift bags waiting for them there from our host organizations um, just in, in DC is, is fresh on my mind. We had players walk in, drop their gear, they get unpacked for them. Everything stays at the rink. Meals are lined up for them there. 
um, we're using the same uh, catering company that the Washington Capitals use. We're eating the same meals as the NHL players are. Uh, and then we also go to their game. They put us up in a suite. Our players are dropping the puck on the ice. Um, all of the in-game activations are surrounded by our players being involved um, and being treated like the true professionals that they deserve to be is a step in the right direction. And, and that gives me so much hope for uh, the future of the sport because people are recognizing the value of our athletes, the value of our staff, um, and the value of where the women's game can go. Uh, and while it's slow progress, I really feel like we are making true progress in that a real league for women to make a living playing the game, to have all the resources, to have everything they need is on the horizon. I don't know exactly when that's going to be, but we're on our way there. Yeah, and like you you touched on, right? Like the the relationship component, connecting with the people that already have that infrastructure. Because I think sometimes, right, it does become, it can become very much like a man versus woman thing. Like we want this, they're the enemy. But like you said, like we need their support in order to be able to accomplish what we want to accomplish, right? And it's, it's not about like men's hockey versus women's hockey. It's really growing the game of hockey to be more accessible and more impactful in everyone's life, whether you're a woman or a man. And like, you can be a fan of both sides, right? It doesn't, it doesn't have to be that you have to choose one over the other. Yeah, and, and I would say that, I mean, yes, it's hockey, but they are different games right? Like, obviously, we don't have the same exact same physicality. We don't have fistfights constantly in a game, and there's not open ice hits. But it, I would argue that it's like a faster paced game, right? It, it's, it's based off of skill purely versus physical size, for the most part. Um, and it is the same game, but there's so many different pieces of it. And, and I mean, I'm a fan of women's hockey, but I'm also a fan of men's hockey. There's no it, it's just being a hockey fan in general, right? There's space for everyone to cheer for the men's side and the women's side. Look at the Olympics. You go and you cheer for your country. It doesn't matter what sport they're playing, right? Like everyone gets behind uh, a common flag or a common group of people. Uh, it doesn't have to be men's hockey versus women's hockey. And there is a market for both. Yeah. Well, I think like we kind of talked about this before too, right? But when you talk about going to a game again, like I'm 35, right? So I have friends who are my age who love hockey, who like wouldn't think twice about spending 200 bucks a seat to go watch the Leafs play. But that league has been around for over a hundred years, right? And that price, ticket price, whatever has grown over time. And then won't get me started because in Toronto, it's ridiculous how much the seats cost because it's not even for a good seat. That's like one of the shitty seats. Anyways, but like they wouldn't think twice about that, but the same people, even if they want to support women's hockey might struggle internally with that value proposition of like spending $200 to go watch a women's game. And I say that not because it's not worth that money to go. It's just like, it's interesting. It's, it'll be interesting to see how that's navigated, right? Like, is that also a progressive thing where you start at a certain point and as the product gains popularity, you can kind of like up the price over time. Cause it, I think that's the challenge too, is sometimes people will expect, okay, they're getting this, let's get this. 
right? Whereas it may not be that right up front. Like it may be a progressive process. I don't know. What's your take on I, that? I totally agree. And I think that it starts with um, starting in smaller venues, right? We don't have to yeah. play in the same rinks as the NHL. Let's start in a, a venue that holds 5,000 people to start. Sell that out and then prove that, okay, we need bigger space. We need, to, we need more seats because we're selling those tickets. And those tickets don't have to be $200 to start because if you're playing in a smaller arena, your overhead costs are going to be a little bit less. And so they all go in comparison, mm-hmm. right? They go hand in hand. And it, from my point of view, we're not looking to jump in and, and be the NHL, right? Like it, you have to start somewhere. We, we need to establish a league and continue to grow over time, just like the NHL has done over the last hundred years. We're not going to jump in and, and be equivalent to them right away, but we also need the opportunity to prove that we have the potential to be over time. Um, and I, I think going back to what you were saying about ticket prices, the $200, et cetera, there's a lot of people that can't afford to spend that much on tickets. I mean, heck, I wouldn't do it, right? Like I, I would not spend that money on, on tickets, but I can guarantee that I would spend a quarter of that to go to a high level women's hockey game. And so we hit a whole other demographic of folks that are able to afford to go to a professional women's hockey game. Meanwhile, they might not be able to afford to go to a men's hockey game. Well, great point. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, I think that that's, it's also a good point to say, like, yeah, we're not expecting to start this league and jump right in at a hundred miles an hour. Or, and then it's a great point to say too, right? Like we're not trying to be somebody else. We're trying to make our own thing. We're trying to appeal to a whole new group of people who don't see themselves represented in the NHL because they're not men or boys, right? And like we all grew up in this room with that dream of playing in the NHL. We're like, ah, we'll prove them wrong, right? We'll get there. And the reality is, is that you know, uh, it's happened for what one person, good old men all She played in a what preseason game, which is amazing, but that doesn't mean that we don't need a, a space for ourselves. And I think one of the most inspiring things that the PWHPA focuses on is being role models for those younger girls who don't have something to look up to, who don't have the the league to say hey i want to go and do that beyond college and even for myself when i was growing up in southwestern ontario i didn't even know the ncaa existed because to it at all and that's insane because that ended up being my path and the only way that i found out about it was by moving four hours north to a really big city where a lot of other people were starting to talk about it. And I think the more that we can have a conversation about women's professional hockey, the more that we can get the PWHPA name into different households, different ranks, the more we're going to start to see that impact of, hey, people are actually like looking into the Instagram posts as they see it instead of just scrolling past because they recognize something there as opposed to just saying like, I don't know what that is. Keep scrolling. I mean, I look at it in the, in the hockey world right now. Like, I mean, you could name 
probably 100 NHL players right off the top of your head, right? But how many people could name even five of the best women's hockey players in the world? And, and I guarantee that right now, they probably could right off the tails of the Olympics. But in a year from now, are they going to know those same five names or are they going to remember them? Maybe, maybe not. But the thing is, is like, we're not given the spotlight and we're not given the, the visibility in order to be those household names. Uh, naturally, somebody like Kendall Coyne Schofield or Hillary Knight or Pooh, like they're going to be those household names, but we need to broaden that, right? Like we need to build a fan base in different cities where there could be a household name in, in every city across the country, right? And we don't have that right now because they're not given the visibility. They don't have the opportunity. And I, going back to what you were saying about needing to move to go play hockey, I mean, I, at 14 years old, I packed up my life and I moved into a dorm in another country just to go play hockey with women, like with girls, right? Like I didn't have that at home. I, I had to leave boys hockey and move to a different country to go play elite level girls hockey to even have the opportunity to go to university, let alone have any opportunity to play beyond that. Yeah. When you're seeing that on the, on the men's side as well, right? Like these these teams have been put in these locations where when I was younger, like if you told me there'd be a hockey team in like Arizona or, you know, I'd be like, no way, like it's not happening. Right. And now you have someone like Austin Matthews, who's the best player in the NHL, who was born there, who, you know, otherwise probably wouldn't have grown up around hockey. So like you can see it and you're right. It's just, it's like, if you see it, you can believe it, right. You open doors that way. But I also think that's a great way that the women's side of the game can differentiate itself from the men's side, because if anything, right, the NHL is often under heat for like not allowing players to show their personalities or have that, you know, have that presence. And its popularity has actually been hurt over the last few years because of that, like sports like the NBA, NFL are overtaking it. I think there was a report out the other day that MLS just overtook the NHL in terms of like the North Americans, North America's major sports and popularity. So I think that that's also something that women's hockey is up against is that the popularity of the sport within North America seems to be getting outgrown a bit by others. But again, I think being able to present your personality and have that space and cause I don't know, like it's, it's like why people watch reality shows, right? Like my partner doesn't really give a shit about sports, but like, if there happens to be like an ESPN, like 30 and 30 or whatever about a player, it's like, when are they playing? Like, I need to watch because like you become invested in their story, right? That's such a mm-hmm. great leverage point. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and that's really where we are. So like player voice driven that we want to create the platform for each of our players to tell their stories and for each of our players to be able to showcase, not just their skills on the ice, but who they are as human beings off the ice. And you're so right. At the end of the day, you fall in love with people, right? Not just the sport. And you really get behind um, the players of the game and not just the game itself. I love that. I love that. And I think the more, again, like you said, the more that we showcase the people, the more that other people um, start to invest in it mentally and emotionally. And when you get mental and emotional investment, then I think the monetary investment comes a lot easier. Um, But 
I don't know what else what else do we want to talk about here because we're we're getting into like the nitty-gritty of how it's working what we're working on is there anything else that you guys want to you guys want to touch on really quick I mean I guess one thing that comes to mind is like just on the back of of that like being able to have a presence I know in Canada one thing that I think really helped women's hockey in a way was like when Spooner and Mickelson were on the amazing race. Right. So like finding ways Ooh. or outlets for like, I totally forgot partner. about that. Yeah. But at the time, like it really became a thing. Right. And like contributed to their popularity, like in terms of just socially. And like you said, if people are interested in that person, they're interested in what that person's doing. And if they happen to play hockey, okay, like what's this. And now you might become invested in that part of their lives. But it's also like, I wonder if there's any other ways we could, leverage that in terms of getting athletes exposure on other platforms but i know it's like a double-edged sword too because they're trying to be professional athletes you can't be like go be like reality stars somewhere else and like bring people back to the sport but i don't know i think we see that um starting already uh just with social media right like uh, all of our players um use their platforms however they choose and and at this point in time there is absolutely zero like uh, regulation or monitoring of those because our players have their own voices and they're welcome to share whatever they choose right and we don't often see that in major sports and I think that that is a, a huge opportunity for women's hockey to be a little bit different right and to, to use something like social media to uh, have access to people beyond just North America right like that that creates a global following and it creates global awareness of our athletes and, and what they're doing and I think that that's a, an avenue that hasn't overly been explored um, in the athletic world to this point I mean we see people like um, Simone Biles right like you don't hear about her all the time she doesn't compete all the time and gymnastics isn't on every night right but people go to her Instagram profile to see what she's up to every single day. And she's created a name for herself, but she's also created a voice for the overall gymnastics world just by being present on a platform where people can engage with her and see her on a daily basis. And I, I think there's a big opportunity for that um, beyond just the sports world, right? Like our, our players could be people. Um, and I think that that could be a cool avenue to explore down the road. Absolutely. I love it. Um, it definitely seems like we're on the right track and that there are so many opportunities moving forward. It's just a matter of, of being able to take that next step forward and be able to seize those opportunities and have the resources that allow us to reach for those opportunities. But Anything else to add as we kind of round out here before we head out for the day? I mean, I just want to personally thank you for the work that you're doing, right? In terms of supporting, because like you said, without the behind the scenes support, none of this comes to fruition. And I know it's a lot uh, and it really takes a village. Like this mission is not going to happen on the back of like one superstar athlete. It's the support and it's the vision to kind of make it happen in a realistic manner. So I appreciate all you're doing on your end. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. And, and that's something that people don't often realize either is that, 
even on the support side and the staff side, like we all work full-time jobs in addition to what we do as well. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that takes a toll on, on all of us. Right. And, and we talk about the players who don't sleep a ton because they have late night practice, but they have a late night game. We also have our staff who in reality are consultants or volunteers who put in hours upon hours in between the nooks and crannies of their days between work meetings um, just to make these ice times and make these games available for these athletes. And so really from all the different avenues, it's, it's a sacrifice. Uh, and I look forward to the day where um, everyone gets to be paid to make women's hockey popular and a reality and to put it at the top level. Uh, not just for the athletes, but for someone who dreams of covering hockey full-time on a broadcast or as a journalist, Um, for an athletic trainer who wants to work in hockey but wants to work in women's hockey but has to pick up multiple jobs just to be able to do that on the side, right? Like there's there's so many people that would benefit from a true women's hockey league that pays everyone – athletes and staff a living wage and it's amazing to even think that that is a like again a decade removed from you guys right so it's amazing to think that that is a possibility and truly believe that it's possible at this point because like I grew up in a small town rural Ontario playing boys hockey like I would go into arenas and they didn't even have a women's change room like I remember changing in boiler rooms like the common one was a first aid room oh. that wasn't being used or the ref's room before the ref went in. Janitor's there. So like, closet. <laughs> yeah. Public washroom. Like I remember having, so, you know, to think, I think also just to create space to celebrate how far we've come from that. Like I see women and I see like the fight is continuing and we are making strides and we are progressing. And that doesn't mean that we don't continue to have high standards for where we want to be because the, the journey never stops. Right. But it is incredible to see where we've come like the idea of the wick stick coming out like I can imagine as a kid being like oh like there's a hockey stick with like a like my hero's name on it like that's you know or see to see women at the professional games to see the NHL players show up at the women's games like we're definitely heading in the right direction but it will it will take it will take time and continued concerted effort and a lot of sacrifice that should be appreciated on the part of a lot of people Absolutely. And on that, thank you, Alexis, so much for taking time out of your crazy busy day. If you missed it on the front end of the call, she's also a mom of two under two doing all of this stuff on top of another job. Um, So yeah, to echo what MJ said, thank you. And uh, thank you for also answering all of the questions of the people I sent your way over these past couple of years. Uh, we we now joke that um, everyone calls me Alexa instead of Alexis because it's Hey Alexa, Hey Alexa, can you answer this? Um, so <laughs> I have uh, I've turned into uh, the women's hockey Siri or the women's hockey Alexa. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you again for taking some time out of your day, and uh, I hope everybody enjoyed this. Evening.